Well, we are in the midst of this uh, teaching uh, series of Jesus. He's teaching us some commandments, and they're actually not commandments. He would say, do not fear, right? Do not sin. He'd say, do not worry. And, and then he told us last week, he said, do not ju- judge. And these are actually wild ideas, right? They're wild thoughts because they're counterintuitive to the way that you and I tend to live our lives because it is our tendency to fear, to worry, to judge, to sin. And Jesus was teaching this to his disciples, but then Jesus died. And so all their hopes and all their dreams of of living out the type of life Jesus called them to and the relation, this new type of relationship with God, all those dreams, it kind of died with Jesus. But Jesus did say that he would rise from the dead, didn't he? And then he went and did it, and he pulled it off. And so once his followers saw Jesus alive and resurrected, and once they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to live out these not commandments, right? They began to live them out as a way of life. These not commandments, is kind of our word here, is they became automatic for them. And, and they became the automatic, and so they were completely transformed because of Jesus and his resurrection. And then they went and transformed and changed the world. Now this week, we're going to wrap up with the final not command of Jesus. He would say this, Thou shalt not doubt, or doubt not, do not doubt. Now i got to tell you, if you have a little bit of skepticism in you, then doubt kind of permeates your life, Right? Isn't that true for some of us here? I mean, the idea of not doubting, that, that, I mean, you hear claims, you hear stories all the time, and you're like, no way. There's no way there, that's true. I doubt it, right? We, we, we do that. We say that all the time. Well, this week um, at our house, we got a couple new ceiling fans, and uh, these were pretty cool fans. These were the clapping type fans. You know how you have the clapping lights on and off and all that? And so these were the clapping fans. And, and, uh, and they were awesome. And, and so, uh, I, you know, Callie came out. And I'm like, okay, Callie, you stand on the fan. You clap three times and the fan goes on. And so she'd do it and they'd go on. And, and I said, you got to clap once and the light will go on. And so I showed Callie that. And she was in awe of this clapping fan. And I showed my wife, Heather. She was blown away by it. She couldn't believe that this was happening happening and and she was struggling with it a little bit she'd clap like I was inside and she was clapping and I was like oh my gosh what's going on so I go out there and she's clapping too fast I'm like no no you got to slow down got to do it this way we had friends over this weekend and they were clapping and they were like oh this is amazing we got to get these fans and 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 then I have another friend over and 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 he's clapping he's like oh this is awesome it was time for me to show my son Cameron and his friend Joseph and Cam, I said, Cam, you got to clap three times. I'll turn it on high. And Cam instantly turned to Joseph. He said, don't do it, Joseph. It's not true. My dad's just playing with us. <laughs> he does this stuff all the time. I'm like, no, Cam, this is what you got to do. And, and I'm trying to get them. I'm like, Cam, don't, these are awesome. And he's like, no. He's like, Joseph, don't do it. My dad, trust me, trust me. And I'm like, Joseph. Do you see any light switches? There's no strings. This is how they work. They're clapping fans, like clapping lights. And Cameron's like, no, no, no. He totally doesn't believe it. He completely doubts me. Well, Cameron, being the salesman that he is, he he was able to convince Joseph not to even clap. Well, Cameron leaves the room, and Joseph's there. I'm like, Joseph, seriously, before you leave, everybody else is doing it. It works. And Joseph's getting ready to to leave the room, and I'm like, all right, Joseph, I got a remote in my pocket. So I had a remote the whole time. (laughs) I had been duping everybody. 
including a detective at the Elk Grove PD who's a friend of mine. Even a detective got suckered in. And so Joseph's like, all right. So we tried to get Cam. Cam came out, and you know, because now Joseph did the clapping, and Cam comes out. He, he, we were finally convinced him to clap. He claps, but instantly he was like, Dad, I know it's not true. And then he sees my hand. He's like, what's in your pocket? <laughs> oh, gosh. Cameron doubted all along. I mean, he, he just knew. He knew and he got it. And so the bummer about me sharing that story is I was going to do this and get a lot of people with this. Um, so you can try this story with your kids one day if you ever get a new fanny of the remote. This week, we've had the opportunity to have our doubts resolved, haven't we? Big week. JFK files resolved. You know, a few years ago, four of us went back to, to, um, to um, Dallas to watch a Dallas game. And uh, we're there, and we're sitting at a restaurant, we're eating, and, and Brother Armand says, hey, guys, i got to tell you, um, I'm a huge JFK guy, and, and end of the story. And he goes on and shares a story like he's read all the books, he knows all the detail. We're sitting there going, like, we could, we're blown away by this, right? So uh, we start having fun with Brother Armand. And uh, we go out, we go to the place, we go to the grassy knoll, and he's just, you know, and I'm kind of egging him on the whole, is he in the service? Okay, so I'm egging him on the whole time. You know, like, oh, man, I totally agree with you and all this. And Brig is like, oh, you're nuts. And, and so this is going on. So this week I send him the text. And I'm like, Brother Armand, finally, all the doubts. You're going to find out on Thursday, and you're going to have the first peaceful night's sleep in 20 years. <laughs> you know, we all have the doubts. You know, who, who's the patsy? Who's this? Was it CIA, Grassy Knoll, you know, you know, the magic bullet, you know, back into, all this kind of stuff, right? We have these doubts. And on and on it goes. You go on to Snopes. Anybody check Snopes out before? Right, you check. I just looked today, just real quick, I looked at some of the ones on Snopes. You know, a 425-pound teacher sits on a student and then toots in his mouth. <laughs> You're like, I doubt it's true, right? Like, you know, you wonder. Another one to this morning, Reese's peanut butter cups are, discontinu- are going to be discontinued. You know, you're like, what? I doubt it. Here's another one. NFL player burns a, a flag in a locker room. Uh, and you're thinking, yeah, I doubt it. And then finally this one, a 14-year-old girl falls pregnant after a flu shot. <laughs> right? And you're like, I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, wouldn't it be awesome, though, if we can kind of live in this world where we didn't have doubts? But more specifically, wouldn't it be great if we didn't have doubts as it pertains to our faith, our relationship with God, our real life, so to speak. I find that I I finally start to have doubts, or I have doubts when it comes to my faith, when I forget what the foundation of my faith is. I have doubts when I lose sight of why I believe what I believe. I have doubts when I begin to look at my circumstances of my life and what's going on in my life, and through all of those doubts, one of the things I've discovered, maybe you figured this out too, I think there's basically two big categories that, that relate to our doubt when it comes to the larger things of life, when it comes to our faith and having the fi- kind of faith that Jesus calls us to. And if you're a Christian, when you doubt, we doubt when we wonder, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it really worth it to follow Jesus? Is it really worth it to sacrifice for him? Is all of this 
really worth it? And when we start asking that question, we start to doubt. Second, we wonder, or we doubt when we wonder, is it true? I mean, all of this stuff about Jesus being, you know, the Son of God and born of a virgin and forgiveness of sins and eternal life, is it all really true? And when we ask the question, is it really true, we start to doubt. And the path to this is often, oftentimes our circumstances, right? We have difficult and challenging circumstances. Someone you love is going through something tragic. Or, or, or you experience a loss of some type, right? A hurt or betrayal. Or maybe you just kind of look at the fallen nature, uh, uh, the fallen sinful nature of humanity and all the evil in the world. And you just kind of look at circumstances and you start wondering is there really a God? Is this stuff that I believe really real? Is it true? Man, it may not even be worth it. You see, all those questions stem from doubt. Now, I have great news for you. Jesus' original followers, they all doubted. And I hope that that gives us a little bit of breathing room in our faith journey with the Lord. That we realize that His followers, the ones that believed in Him and saw Him and saw the miracles, they doubted. Even before his followers, you had someone like John the Baptist. Remember him? John the Baptist was somebody who said, looked at Jesus and said, there he is, that's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist, we talked about it recently, he's someone who said, yeah, I have a fo- all these followers, but I want you to all go and follow Jesus and said, because he is the author of life. He is the forgiver of sins. He is God's son. But then there came a time with his circumstances And he found himself in prison. And he started to wonder, is it true? I wonder if all of this has been worth it, what he's been doing. I mean, the dude's eating locusts for food. He starts going, is it really worth it crunching on these things? He's wearing these awful clothes that are itchy all over the place. You know, he's like, is this really worth it? And in prison, he wonders. And he has doubts. All the 12 apostles, they doubted, right? You remember when Jesus was arrested, what did they do? They all ran away, didn't they? They're like, this isn't worth it. This might not be true, the whole thing. I'm out of here. Even after seeing all these incredible miracles of Jesus, including raising Lazarus from the dead. But none of that seemed to matter once the circumstances got to the point where Jesus got arrested. Is it worth it? Now, by the way, how many of them were waiting at the tomb On day three, when Jesus said he was going to rise from the dead, how many of those 12 were waiting at the tomb? How many? Exactly zero. In fact, one disciple got a nickname because of his uncertainty. Anybody know his name? What was his nickname? Doubting Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas. So I think that's all very good news for you and me. Their failures, their doubts help me. Because it lets me know that Jesus doesn't just toss us out because we doubt. Which means you and I, we don't have to have all of our doubts worked out. We don't have to understand everything to believe something. Or to believe and start down a path of faith in God. It's possible that some are here this morning, you haven't crossed the line of faith yet because of some of those doubts. I think about my friend Larry Barber, who, who spent most of his life having questions about God. Many of you know Larry. 
having questions about God and, and not being able to come to a place of faith in God. And he began coming to, to life point, and eventually he finally said, I'm going to trust God, and in faith I'm going to give my life to him. Even in the midst of some of those questions. And he crossed that line of faith. He just celebrated his 80th birthday recently, and uh, praise God for that. And, and he's been walking with the Lord these last uh, 10, 12 years or so. Even though, he, you, if you were to talk to him, I think he'd still tell you he has questions. He still has wonders. Here's why doubt's a big deal. Here's why this matters to all of us this morning. Here's what Jesus knew. Jesus knew that if you stay deep in your doubt, and if you stay there forever, eventually, and just keep going in it, eventually your doubt has the potential to take you out. Your doubt has the potential to take you out. That are, there are certain doubts that if you don't deal with them, if you don't begin to figure out how to deal with those doubts, you know, you wish they would go away, you try to change your thinking, you try to change your mental channel, you try to do all these things, but if you aren't sure what to do with that doubt, it can eventually take you out. Which is why Jesus continued to say throughout his ministry, do not doubt, do not doubt, because he knew our doubt could take us out. Which means doubt has the power to take us out and then cause us to walk out, to walk away, to leave our faith, to abandon our journey and our pursuit of God. And you know who knew this firsthand? A guy by the name of Peter. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. Peter was a person whose doubt literally almost took him out, and he almost walked away. Uh, we're going to look at a couple different stories here uh, in, the, in, the, in the Gospels this morning. And one of them is this story. You might already know the story. The 12 apostles, they're rowing across the Sea of Galilee. The winds are in their face. They're having a hard time. They've been up all night. And then Jesus comes out walking on the stormy water. Okay, right? Some of you've heard that story, hopefully, or you've read that story before. And Jesus is walking on the water, and then Peter makes this statement of faith, this incredible faith statement. He says, hey, Jesus, if you'll call me out there, I'll, I'll get out of the boat, and I, I'll do what you're doing. Right? You remember that story? And so Jesus calls Peter out, and Peter begins to walk on water. It's an incredible story. Matthew chapter 14, verse 30. But when he, referring to Peter, he's walking on the water right now, when he saw the wind and was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out. And by the way, this is an incredible prayer. This is a prayer that, that I would encourage you to pray. He said this, Lord, what's the word? Lord, save me. Save me. And immediately, this is powerful, verse, 9, verse 31. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand. This is so cool reached out his hand, and caught him. And then Jesus said to Peter, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? See, here's where we begin to gain some insight into how to respond to our doubt. Peter started to doubt. When did he start to doubt? And because it's us too. Peter started to doubt when he thought it might not work out. He started to doubt when he thought the circumstances might not work out, right? That's what happened here. He, looked, he, was, he was making his way to Jesus, but then he looked at the wind, and he saw all the waves, and all of a sudden he became afraid. And when he became afraid, he began to doubt. 
fear can be a precursor to our doubt. And the reality is this story of Peter is actually your story too, and it's my story as well. And it's why this is such a big deal to Jesus. See, we look around at our world. We look around at what's happening. We look at the waves and the wind of our circumstances and in our lives, and we start to think, I'm not so sure this is going to work out. And I'm not so sure if this is worth it anymore. And in the midst of that, the question creeps into us. Is it all even true? I'm not so sure. And you begin to doubt. And I begin to doubt. So Jesus says to Peter, why did you doubt? Why did you allow your circumstances to change the path or the trajectory that you were on? Peter's like, oh, I'm not so sure it's going to work out. And Jesus is like, okay, well, it's okay to not know for sure, but just make sure you don't give in to your doubt. Next story. Jesus gives us another reference. He gives us this second insight, because we're going to kind of bring these all together as we build this case for why Jesus said it's important for you and I not to doubt. Jesus had just performed a minor miracle with this fig tree, and then Jesus has a conversation with his disciples, and he's going to say something. I want you to turn there now. You can move ahead to Matthew 21. He says this to them. He basically says, hey guys, listen to me. If you'll have confidence in your heavenly Father, you have confidence in God, and if you do not doubt, and if you continue to behave and respond as if God is really God, and God is who he claims to be, if you just continue to have faith, if you don't doubt, then Jesus makes in this passage we're going to look at in a moment, he makes this promise to them that is so important for all of us. But unfortunately, it's one of those verses that preachers have just abused and said all sorts of crazy things that have caused so many of us to miss Jesus' point in this passage. So let's look at it. Matthew 21, verse 21. Jesus replied, and here's what he says. He says, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not, what's the word? Do not doubt. Do not doubt. Not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but you can also say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it'll be done. Now, in our way, American way of thinking, we think, all right, so basically, if I have enough faith in God, I can get God to do whatever I want God to do. As my dad used to say, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. And he would put that out there, you know, that it's the health, wealth gospel. It's what people refer to as the prosperity gospel. And what you and I need to know is that that type of thinking never cross the disciples mind the way you and i would think about this they wouldn't have thought it that way as jewish men who were raised on the torah who had a, a proper view of god they never thought for a moment that prayer was about trying to talk god into something that god otherwise wasn't planning on doing did you just hear what i said that for them, they didn't, in fact, Jesus didn't even need to qualify what he was saying like he would have to do for us today. They did not hear Jesus say, hey, come up with an idea, have enough faith, and get God to do your bidding. They wouldn't have thought that. No Jew would have come up with the idea of, you know what, I got this idea, and I'm going to twist God's arm until he says uncle. That's not how it worked. You see, our faith is always a response to God's ideas. 
not ours. Our faith is always response to God's ideas, to God's promises, to God's commandments. They understood exactly what Jesus was saying to them. Here's what Jesus was promising to them. He was saying that whatever it is that God initiates, that God originates, not us, but what God initiates, what God originates, that God will orchestrate in us, through us, and around us if we do not doubt. That whatever it is that God is planning to do in you and through you, Whatever God is planning to do in the world and in in, in your world, whatever it is that God has invited you to be a part of that he's already doing, whatever God originates, God will orchestrate in you and through you if you do not doubt. Because if you doubt, the doubt's going to take you out. If you doubt, you're going to miss what God has in store for you. You'll miss what God is up to in your life. If you doubt, you'll be at the wrong place at the wrong time. If you doubt, you'll be at the right place at the wrong time. Or the wrong place at the right time. And you'll miss out on all that God has for you. Why? Jesus says, because of doubt. So basically, he's saying this. He's saying, look, this little miracle I just did with the fig tree. I I know that impresses all of you guys. That's great, but you haven't seen nothing yet. If you continue to follow me, if you continue to trust me, if you don't allow your doubt to take you out, this little miracle I just did with that tree is nothing compared to what I'm about to do in you and through you. See, God wants to do the miraculous with you and with me. And it requires us to not doubt. Now, one more situation that the disciples found themselves in. And this is kind of like the big one. Uh, at least in my mind, in the, in, the, in the New Testament. The disciples' lack of faith and their doubt in this story, it caused, almost caused them, and I, I really can't overstate this, it almost caused them to disappear from history. Uh, Peter and James and John and Bar- all these guys, that Andrew, Philip, all these apostles, their doubt almost overwhelmed their faith Because of these circumstances. And if that had happened, we would have never heard of Peter and James and John and Philip and Andrew and the rest. And also, by the way, we're going to look at this passage. Turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. I think this passage is like core to you and I as believers. I think this is critical to our Christian faith and our willingness and our ability to follow Jesus. So I hope you'll really grab this passage here. This is a passage that, that we're, we're, we're kind of bringing it all to a head this morning, and it's a passage I hope you hold on to the rest of your life. Now here's the situation. Jesus had just done this huge miracle, and he had fed thousands and thousands of people. And of course, the crowd's like, hey, this is incredible. We want more of this, Jesus. I mean, we will take free food as much as we can get. And so they're excited. And then Jesus takes that miracle that he'd just done, and he uses it as an illustration, and he begins to teach them. And he's trying to use the imagery. He just fed them, you know, bread and all of this. And he tries to use the imagery of bread and the imagery of life. And he's trying to connect the dots with his audience. And he's basically saying to them, Hey, I just gave you bread, and you ate, and that's great, but he was like, I'm the real bread of life, and he shares that with them, and then he uses some really strange language, and he says, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood, and they didn't understand what he was saying at the time, but he was essentially saying, I'm trying to bring you true life, 
not temporary life that you find, you know, when you drink bread or eat bread and drink a little water. That's great, but it's only temporary. But I'm real and I'm lasting. I'm what is going to satisfy you. And so he's just trying to be creative in his communication. Then John chapter 6, verse 60. A lot more to the teaching. You can go read it on your own this week. But notice what it says in verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples, not the 12, by the way, they said, this is hard teaching. Who can accept it? Then a couple verses later, because of all this hard and difficult teaching that Jesus was giving to the people who were following him, look at verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer, what's the word, no longer, no longer followed. They no longer followed him. Much of the crowd left, and the apostles, Peter, James, and John, all the guys, they're watching the crowd disperse, and they begin to wonder themselves. Hmm, I wonder if it is true. I wonder if all this has been worth it. And in this moment, they have no idea what Jesus is trying to accomplish. And then the reality is, Jesus' closest followers, because of what has just happened they began and consider leaving also. But here's the thing they don't know at the moment. Jesus had chosen these guys. And he wanted to do something extraordinarily important in them and through them. You see, he wanted to use them to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to you, to me, to the whole world. And it was this incredible plan and Jesus could see it all. But in this moment, as Jesus knows, he wants to use them to make history. He knows that they're considering walking away. That they're wondering, is it worth it? Is all of what Jesus has been saying really true? They have no idea what hangs in the balance here. Jesus turns to them, and maybe Jesus turns to some of you this morning, just like he does to these 12. Look at verse 67, John chapter 6. You do not want to leave too, do you? You don't also want to leave, do you? Are you going to join the crowd? Are you going to leave too? Have you decided it's not worth it, it's not true? See, this is Jesus, and he knows your thinking, and he knows my thinking. He turns around, and he turns to these guys and says, Hey, guys, you're not thinking about leaving. And, you know, of course, they were. And they don't realize what's hanging in the balance. And in the midst of this, Peter, the same guy who blew it before, in the midst of the mist, in the midst of the fog, in the midst of all that's happening, he gets a moment of clarity. And notice what he says, verse 68. This is one of the most profound statements in all the Bible, or questions. John 6, verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? I want to say that together. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? So let's say this out loud together. Here's the question for us to ask. You ready? Let's do it together. One, two, three. Lord, to whom shall we go? One more time. Lord, to whom shall we go? This is the question that cuts through the fog of doubt. Right here. This is the question that when you're wondering, is it worth it? Is it true? This is the question that Peter asked that changed everything. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to have questions. I'm not going to say you're not going to wonder, is it true, is it worth it? You'll have those questions. In fact, they're valid questions to think about. 
In fact, I would say this, oftentimes our doubt leads to curiosity. And our curiosity is what actually leads us eventually to discovery. So all of that can be positive, but, but doubt, you remember, it has the potential to take you out. And the question that cuts through all of that and cuts through the fog of that when it comes to Jesus, our Savior, is the question, if not Jesus, then who? If not Jesus, then what? If not Jesus, then who? And if not Jesus, then what? If I'm not going to follow Jesus, then who am I going to follow? If I'm not going to choose to be a Jesus follower, a disciple of Jesus, then what am I going to follow? And Peter in that moment had the presence of mind to realize, hey guys, you better know before you go. You better know before you walk away. You better know what is behind what you're thinking about right now. You better know who you are going to go to and what you are going to follow. It's incredibly risky to go down this path and risk your future, your, your life, your eternal life, if you don't ask the question. It's okay to wonder. It's not okay to wander. And so the question that will just be there for you as, as you're debating with others and you're debating with yourself and as you're thinking and as you're reading and as you're discovering and as you're learning, it's the question, if not Jesus, then who? And if not Jesus, then what? Peter said, to whom shall we go? And here's why Peter said it. Notice the next verse, John 6, 68. He said, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. In other words, nobody else is promising us life. Nobody else is giving us the assurance of what's on the other side of this life. You have the words of life. Verse 69, we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. You know, it's almost as if Peter's saying, you know, I'm just not sure all this sacrifice is worth it. I'm not exactly sure how it's all going to work out. Or even if it's all true, but we know enough. And we know enough to know that nobody has made a better offer. Nobody has loved us better or more. So to whom else shall we go? To whom shall we go? Verse 70, Jesus replied, have I not chosen you? It's like Jesus is saying, you haven't seen nothing yet. Have I not chosen you? Jesus knew if you'd stick it out, if you doubt not, he knew they would change the world. So here's the big idea. You have no idea what is in store for your life if you do not doubt. You have no idea what's coming for your life if you will choose to doubt not. They passed the test this time. Later, they allowed their, their doubts to get the best of them. They, they were in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus, and they didn't just walk away in that evening when the soldiers came. They ran away. And so they continued their doubt up to the very, very end. And then, if you know the story, after the resurrection of Jesus, and this is why this is important for you and I, after the resurrection of Jesus, these doubters, they became shouters. The doubters became shouters. They, they, they were hiding in fear, but after the resurrection, they came out of their hiding place and they began to speak in the crowds in front of people with boldness. They began to say, you crucified Jesus who was the Son of God, but God raised him from the dead. You crucified him. You killed him. God raised him. They're like, what do we have to do? Peter's like, you need to say you're sorry and turn to God. 
Later on, they're like, we can't, you can tell us to try to be quiet, but we can't help talking about what we've seen and heard. These people who suddenly became so, in, so emboldened, suddenly they knew the answer, is it worth it? They knew the answer because they knew it was true, because they'd seen a risen Savior. I can't help but to think, did they pause from time to time and just kind of sit around a campfire and go, guys, you remember back on that hillside when we almost allowed our doubt to take us out like the rest of the crowd? Do you guys remember that? And they're like, yeah, man, I, I was, I mean, I was literally, I almost got up. I almost took that step to walk away. I'm so glad I didn't do that. Can you imagine how lame our life would be today if we had walked away? The foundation of their faith, the foundation of our faith is the resurrection of Jesus. And here's why this is so important to you and I. You'll never know what God would have done in you and through you if you're just going to allow doubt to take you out in any area of your life. You don't know what God's going to do in you and through you if you let doubt kind of get in the way of your circumstances. Maybe it's your relationships and you're, you're holding grudges or you're not forgiving or you won't address issues you need to address. You have no idea on what you're missing out because you're doubting God's promises as it pertains to how to handle relationships. What about your finances? And, 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 and you're in a place in life where you're not giving God your first fruits or you're not giving Him a, a, a dedicated amount or percentage and you doubt God is going to come through the way He has promised. Man, you have no idea what you are missing out because you're doubting the promises of God as it pertains to your finances. What about business dealings? And, 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 you're, and you're in a world that's full of lying and deceit and playing games. And you doubt if God's way of honor and truthfulness and dignity and respect and integrity, you doubt if that's best in your hostile work environment. You have no idea what God wants to do in you and through you in that environment with those individuals, with the people you're influencing. If you'd stop doubting and trying it God's way, see the list can go on and on. You have no idea on what you're missing out on by allowing your doubt to take you out. So the question, to whom shall I go? To whom shall I go? That's your question. Doubt's whispering, is it true? Is it real? Jesus is like, well, if not me, then who? You got any better offers? I'm the author of life. I'm the giver of life. And this is what enabled these people, these disciples, these followers, because of the resurrection of Jesus and they saw him alive, it's what enabled them to begin to live out these not commandments. It's what enabled them to, to overcome extraordinary obstacles and not doubt anymore. Not doubting became automatic for them. So I just want to close this morning. I want to close the series. Will you ditch your doubt, your fear, your worry, your sin, your judgment because you follow a resurrected Savior? Because He lives, you can fear not, sin not, worry not, judge not, and doubt not. And if you go down this path, watch God do the extraordinary in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your challenge to us. 
Thank you, God, for the opportunity to not doubt. Not doubt that you are with us, not doubt your promises, not doubt what you have in store for us. God, I pray that, that we would take the messages and the words you've given us through these series and that we would be people who live out the not commands that they become automatic for us. And then God, use us to change the world as we live these out. God, right now we come to give to you and we trust your promises. And so God, for those who are, who are not doubting and who are taking this step of faith through giving their offering, God, use this for your glory. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.